Hello everyone. I hope you are doing well. We are back with another episode of Blitz Business. I hope you will enjoy this podcast. Hi Alice. Thank you so much for coming over to Blitz Business. It's a pleasure to have you. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. Great. So Alice, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and then we'll talk about your venture. So, I grew up in Wiltshire in England and I went to school in Oxford and Exeter. And straight after university, I did a culinary course, a residential culinary course in Ireland, in the south of Ireland, in a place called Ballymaloo. And the philosophy at Ballymaloo is real kind of deep earth roots, really focusing on raw produce, really focusing on, they had an enormous sort of garden and herbaceous borders and they did their own farming. So it was very much kind of planting the seed and then the respect towards the individual fruits or vegetables or pieces of meat was really carried forth into the cooking so then we bring it inside and then we do the cooking and it was all about really remembering that when you're handling I mean it sounds silly but when you're handling a carrot which is organic and with the perfect soil nutrients and you're bringing it in you're not gonna just like fling it on the floor you're gonna it's like really we're really taught to look after it and respect the high quality produce and I think this has really followed on from us in Cara it's interesting in the beginning of you know, you know, when I was 19 doing these courses, I didn't realize how deep this philosophy runs now, not only within Cara, but within me and how I, you know, choose to conduct my life. So I did that course, um, which was, um, we did, it was a wine exam and a kind of four part culinary course. And then I did a bit of restaurant work. And then I was, I did it, then I went into marketing, but mainly in hospitality. And that took me first to New York, and then to New Delhi. And in New Delhi, I focused, I did Amman, I did Olive, I did some domestic brands and some international brands. Um, and it was kind of through that that I was really missing working in the kitchen and being part of it. So I started doing, well, through working in Olive, I started doing um, a, well, a few, just by chance, um, the wife of the head of Google, Radhika Chopra, and Radhika, Radhika Chopra actually has a lot to answer for in my in my life in India. She said to me, come and do a catering in my house because she saw me. So I, I, I did a consultancy in Olive. And from that, she said, please come and do a catering. And I went to her house and I did a sit down catering um, for 30 people. And um, she has incredibly high standards. And I knew that from my first meeting with her. So we went through the menu and we did this incredible setup on the terrace. And as a and you know, she had called you know the top people who were supporting her husband at Google. And as a result, all those people then asked me for caterings. And it wasn't something which was planned, it was totally organic. Um, it was something I did, you know, ad hoc and um was incredibly nervous to be doing it. And then you know, the generator failed on the night, and then the lights were on just as the guests were coming upstairs. It was one of the most stressful events I've ever done, but it was very much the start of me, me in, re- in retrospect, it was very much the start of me in food in India as an individual. And um, so then catering continued and we did lots of different caterings all over Delhi. And I guess because I'm white, people, there was an element of people couldn't quite understand why is the, this white girl cooking and like, being the kind of the labor in our house and 
people weren't I, I definitely felt that there was like some there was an element of uncomfortableness for some people and some people enjoyed it and some people didn't and there were lots of articles about it and I think that during the 10 years that I've been working in India the um the perception towards being a chef or working in the kitchen has changed completely um and that's been very exciting to be involved and I don't think that's the case now I think people um everybody is keen on cooking everybody's interested um I think the whole thing's changed um and anyway so now and then going on from there I started doing cooking classes and, the, and by this point the, the catering had grown I've been doing it for two years I quit my marketing job just to do catering um we were doing three or four a week we were working with the embassies um but it was still kind of partly run from my kitchen and then I do a lot in their kitchen um so it was still very much like you know I had three chefs on my rolls and you know it was very much a kind of small operation led by me quite high stress because I wasn't very good at Hindi and then uh and then my then business partner went back to England and I realized if I'm going to take this seriously we need to look at investment and we need to look at how what we can grow and I need to start looking for a business partner and I met lots of different people and people were really kind and interesting and eventually just by chance I met Ambika and before this, my company was called Damson, Damson Catering. And I met Ambika. And to be honest, it sounds like a cliche, but it was literally love at first sight. She started talking. Uh, I think it was me, Tingles, thinking about it. She started talking and it was the first time I'd met somebody where our principles were just totally aligned. She'd moved back from Switzerland. She was um, farming using, you know, slightly more modern techniques well, she was using kind of lots of different kind of permaculture and like crop rotation. She was using, and she was very, very keen on chemical free and she had her own reasons for not wanting to call it organic because she didn't believe in the organic system in India and she was giving back and she was, you know, taking big plots of land um, outside Delhi and working with the farmers so that they could grow instead of just growing onions and getting a poor price. They were growing sprouted broccoli or Italian basil and all this amazing stuff and she was, um, you know, she and she would market it, and and I had definitely found through the catering that what was really lacking was the really high quality produce. And to go back to Bali Malu, I knew that that was the only way we were going to succeed. As if our, and if I was going to feel proud, I was gonna I was gonna have to hunt out these quality producers because that's what was gonna stand us apart. Otherwise, I'd just be like any other caterer. And we started talking, and then. Um, yeah, so these on. were hydro, uh, these were hydroponic produce or something no, else? No, they were in the ground. They were from the soil, and she was very much from working the... working with increasing the nutrients in the soil from a chemical free perspective. So, and it was hard, mm. you know, working with these people who had been putting fertilizers on to try and change the way and try and change the form of farming. I think for her. Anyway, so then and then Cara was formed, and. Um, the focus has changed slightly over the last five years, but we started off with catering and the cafes and it's grown and grown. But that was very much the beginning six years ago. Wow. I mean, amazing journey. How sort of uh, one incident sort of led one thing to the other and how you sort of became an entrepreneur. (laughs) I mean, again, my father's a big entrepreneur and I definitely like had it in me 
Um, but when I first moved to India, I did not plan to be there nine years later. <laughs> and you you touched upon the perspective in terms of as a white person working in the kitchen, and then you sort of saw this transition happening where people were much more receptive. So tell us a little bit about that sort of what sort of how things sort of shifted or changed like in 10 years. I think I think there's some like basic things like um MasterChef. You know, there are basic sort of modern programs which make being a chef glamorous and more acceptable. And um I also think that that you know families you know everyone it was becoming more modern and people are a bit more welcoming to their child being happy and if their child doesn't want to be an accountant and doesn't want to be a doctor if you if you really you know if his love is to be a chef that there's a shift towards the acceptance of that and I think that's probably a combination of salaries if you if you're a proper head chef you can make a proper salary now um I think you know salaries probably drive that um and I think maybe more of an understanding um, and more, you know, as I'm sure you've seen in Delhi in the last 10 years, we've gone from, in terms of high quality, high, high end European and well, European food, I guess, um, mm-hmm. or food that's not Indian. We've gone from mainly looking at hotels to a huge amount of standalone restaurants and I think True. that maybe the chef then has a title as an entrepreneur. Maybe that's more acceptable um, in terms of, you know, how it's perceived within society. I mean, these are only my guesses. I just know that um, and probably like many more people coming in, many more people work, many more people deciding to choose this role just by chance, you know, by the sheer force of that makes it more, um, mm. more, more of a normal um job career choice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. definitely i think uh uh in the, in india i also personally seen like people have become more receptive of other professions uh and there is a growing appetite for quality products and definitely many companies startups restaurants cafes have come up to cater and sort of fill the uh, the gap Otherwise, earlier it used to be more of European or imported products, if I can say so, which yeah. dominated the market. But yeah. yeah, definitely for sure. I mean, the farm to folk model or whatever sort of products different companies are offering, there is a strong uh, receptability in terms of trying out. And and these products for sure are quality ones. So, uh, Alice, t- tell me in terms of, so you have... Uh, you have the cutlery business where you, uh, sorry, cat uh, catering business, uh, and then you have the cafe. So, what are the different names, or all, or they all operate under Kara, or how yeah. how, how does it work? I have a few different verticals, um, and maybe I should talk quickly about pre-COVID because we, I mean, we're hoping we're hoping for a comeback, but um, so pre-COVID we really had five different verticals. We have the catering, which is really our bread and butter. We do weddings, we do sit down dinners we do you know embassies that kind of stuff and as I mentioned earlier that was really what that was really what I did was my starting point from that we started doing products people were asking can you give us a jar of pesto so from that we have something which we call easy dining within easy dining there's the larder so there's all the sort of products which you would have in your pantry but we've also under that um, and partly 
partly because of COVID, increased our delivery takeaway. So we call it easy dining at home. And the idea is that you can order any of our restaurant foods and have them delivered to your house. But you can also get your granola and your pesto and your sourdough bread and you know anything from our from products menu so there's catering easy dining then we have cookery classes um which i love and a huge advocate for we have and through the cookery classes we do a lot of placements and by that i mean chef placements so if you're wanting to be a chef or you want to work in the industry or you want to start your own business after you do one of our courses you can we help you find a position um and so there's a bit of recruitment happening but mainly it's the cookery school then we have um the restaurants so we within the restaurants we have one in Ogana Mulchbarg we have one called Nikokara in the DLF mall in Chanakya we have a cafe in the British Council and a cafe in the British High Commission um sadly uh yesterday Nikokara in DLF closed because of covid so we'll see what happens about whether it reopens. Um, is it is it like a temporary closure or? Well, we've closed it for no, we, no, we've been closing it on and off, but we've actually totally closed it yesterday. But um, we might reopen it somewhere else. Um, yeah, we're looking at maybe opening it somewhere else. Then there's, within the restaurants, we have the chef's table. Now, the chef's table is really at the heart of our business because it sits in the middle of our base kitchen where we produce all our stuff. And the chef's table, you can hire for an evening. It's up to 18, 20 people. And you sit around a big table in the middle of our kitchen. So it's not your glitzy um, five-star experience, but it's very real and high quality food and the chef will talk you through any dishes he talks through the menu he talks through the any he shows he demonstrates some of the cooking processes so it's it's a pretty you know you come for five six some people have chosen eight nine ten course menus and um you have chefs working around you the whole time while you sit there and enjoy the food and it's also where people come for tastings it's where we do all our experimenting um yeah so the the chef's kitchen is really the heart um and um the only other thing which um is we do which is not um for monetary gain is we have something which i rather grandly have named the rise up initiative and the rise up initiative is where we take in well we've worked with a couple of different street children charities and we focus mainly on women, partly because Ambika and I are women, but also because we feel the empowerment of women is, um, uh, you know, a cause a cause that we're all globally concerned about. And we take them and find them placements within our own company and within restaurants across Delhi. Um, we're hoping to take it to other cities. And the idea is that what really is hard in the beginning of life is getting a foothold in the door. And it's particularly hard if you don't have any um, connections and if you're, um, and if you're, you know, part of Salam Balak and you're a street child that's been taken in and you're just being fed, how are you going to get your first job? And the beauty I see in hospitality is it's without um, sort of language barriers you don't need to speak the same language you don't need to read you don't need to write you need to turn up you need to work and you need to be honest and um 
so we started with three girls in Cara and they start off you know at the bottom they might sweep the floor they might peel the onions they might learn how to chop stuff simple very very simple stuff um and then after three months and the idea is it's an apprenticeship for three months and they work with us and if they manage to you know if it's working we'll try and absorb them I mean we've had some bad stories and some good stories we've had some amazing stories where people who've taken in off the street and then they've ended up heading a whole department um and the idea is that if they if we don't have space for them within Cara or if you know we work we work with a lalit a lot we work with a, quite a lot of different organizations doing this if people can't absorb them after the three months it's on the um employer i.e Cara or the lalit or whoever's taken them in to help them find another placement because but at least at that point they've they can peel an onion, they can make a cappuccino, there's some help to someone. And I feel like through, if we can all, and I really call all um, hospitality partners to take part in this, because I feel like it's a way quite simply we can make a big difference. Wow, that's a, definitely a wonderful initiative. Uh, I hope you will continue yeah. We, yeah, we after get, uh, or during the pandemic also yeah, yeah so my question is uh, you have been doing a lot of different providing different services so what has been the most difficult aspect in establishing these verticals i think probably the most difficult aspect has changed i'd say in the beginning when we were young entrepreneurs and starry-eyed about everything we found staffing very stressful because we'd employ people and we pour our heart and soul and dream into these people to you know to get it all to work and then you know the way of the world after two years they want to go and work somewhere else or three years or they have a baby or whatever their um their life takes a different direction and then finding new people to replace them we found really difficult we found we found finding we we found I'd say that's probably our big, our hardest thing is really good recruitment. We have found really difficult and we've ended up pretty much always with the major positions, finding them internally. Um, we haven't had much luck with many of the recruitment agencies. Um, I think, yeah, I think recruitment has probably been our, you know, recruitment of really strong staff has been um, our, our trickiest thing in the beginning um, and less so now. I'd say now, um, now that we've grown and we've gone from whatever three to, you know, a hundred employees, I think um, the thing that's most important now, and I'm, I'm sure everybody suffers from this, is just ensuring that someone, the 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 overall seeing of SOPs, so making sure that the standard operating procedures are being followed correctly, because when you start expanding and your um, frantic attention to detail controlling people like me and Ambika where we want to understand and make sure everything's been done perfectly suddenly you can't you can't check everything and you have to mm. um, allow people to um, grow and fly with you um, and it's very important at that moment that the quality doesn't change if you're not testing everything or tasting everything or checking every single table's been laid correctly or all the things um <laughs> and, insane to most people's lives but um i think i think yeah so then overseeing that and you know learning to trust in that 
has, you know, in the second phase of expansion has definitely been real for us. That's that's very interesting, and we, in this on this podcast, you know, we have talked a lot about uh, uh, you know letting certain fire burn uh, because as you're expanding, you know, you cannot have the control. Uh, uh, <laughs> you can't be everywhere. You can't be a hundred people. Yes, yes, and and I I think when you're um, uh, it it comes with experience, and then you start to develop the SOPs and other sort of mechanisms so that even if you are not there in the business for some time it can be managed tell me alice in terms of have you raised any funds or do you plan to raise any funds anytime soon so we did raise funds initially we haven't had um we haven't put any money in since we first since about four years ago um we're very much because of covid um in discussion about whether we should raise funds or whether we should not raise funds. It's very much like uh, we're trying to see what happens. Ideally, we would like to grow organically um, at the moment, but we'd very much, we are beginning to talk to some tech companies for to look for investment because we very much see that a lot of what we do can grow if we have the right partner. So we are, we are looking at it, but it's not something that we're... Um, we're dead certain about what has been the impact of covid you know so you mentioned you were running five four five verticals before so and yeah. you have closed a couple of cafes so. i guess it's been like a really crazy year for all of us um um and particularly those of us who be who work in hospitality and particularly those of us who feel responsible for our employees and it actually makes me you know makes me feel so emotional even to think about what our employees have been through this year um in that you know we've given every security that we can but there's still you know there's still been from the very beginning you know I was getting calls being like what's going to happen with Cara all my friends restaurants are closing and I you know we kept reassuring everybody and we managed to keep on many of our staff 70% of our staff which definitely has impacted us a lot as a company and left us in a very weak position. But we just felt that it was like morally correct to do what we could. We reduced salaries. Um, so I, I, we reduced some salary, we reduced everybody's salary, but we might with the idea that we could keep on as many people as we possibly could. Um, sadly with the closure of Nico for now, we have let a few people go Um um, which is really sad, but we're keeping in contact with them with the hope that we can reopen. But at the beginning, um, at the beginning, when we when the when the lockdown happened so suddenly um, in Delhi, um, it was amazing what happened at Cara. We made the decision that we had no option but to provide free meals for people on the street our restaurants were closed we had staff we weren't making food for anybody we had a bit of our delivery happening our food delivery happening taking over um but we had a big workforce and we were like it's criminal if we don't make food for these poor people who have been trapped by these measures so we started cooking and we started raising funds so that we could just do rice and dal and hand it out and i'm sure you know you know, it was quite dangerous to be handing it out on the streets at that point. We had to get police support. We had to work with other companies because um, we'd get sort of mobbed in places because people were so hungry. Um, and this is 
this is in March when we started doing this. Um, and what was amazing from the um, was we reduced people's wages, but my you know hand on my heart, the staff came in and they worked so hard, and some people we've had praise in Vogue and whatever Harper's Bazaar and all these glossy magazines. Oh, well done, Cara, for doing you know providing food for hundreds and thousands of people. It really it wasn't Cara. It was I mean it was Cara, but it was the staff. The our staff like were amazing, and I think that you know we then continued to be we took the decision not to reopen our restaurants when it was legal to open them or when you know when Modi opened it up again and said you can reopen restaurants at that point to Ambika and I COVID still seemed absolutely terrifying and it seemed irresponsible to be encouraging people to come to restaurants and it seemed unfair on our staff to expect them to go to work with the risk of getting COVID and we knew that a lot of them live with their families and their grannies and uh, grandparents so we took the decision to stay closed much much longer than everybody else um, which again was um, in you know big impact on our P&L um, and when and then so subsequently we have opened and I'm you know it's sad we Nikokara has closed largely because um, you know we couldn't afford to pay the rents in DLF because we weren't open for half the year, for most of the year. And when we were open, malls were not where people wanted to go. Malls were a scary, are a scary place for, in the time of COVID. So um, the footfall was low. Having said that, Ogan is a local restaurant in Mount Chamag, um, with an outdoor area. And it's very much, you know, a lot of locals go there. And that's been really, really successful. And we do deliveries from there and um, we feel you know that's still an exciting that's still doing well so and people were asking us to reopen that so it's just been it's been I guess the big thing has been looking after our staff and then the secondary which is probably the wrong way around has been the you know the financial impact on our PL. it's been really tough and um what we've done business-wise at this stage is we've reshifted the whole focus along with the rest of the country and the rest of the world in hospitality is focusing really strongly on our easy dining delivery. So really increasing the volume, increasing the menu, increasing the changes, increasing the products. And um, that's been really exciting. You know, we can have, and seeing how far, it's a very, the quality of food changes when you deliver it. So we're having to look at it from a different perspective. So for example, we don't believe that we should just send a pizza to your house because that's, we know, we all know that when you get a pizza delivered to your house, the quality of the pizza like drops the moment it leaves the pizza oven to the moment it gets to your house. So we know that we don't want to, you don't, I can't control the pizza. <laughs> um, mm presentation when it gets to your house so we've started doing pizza kits we make sourdough pizza bases and gluten-free pizza bases and then we send all the toppings and it's a, literally a three second job and then you put it in the oven and it's a high quality pizza so we've been very much like tailoring the menu so that it works for you at home so um, it's so it's like a diy like do it yourself yeah, and... yeah some diy some not diy and then a lot of household products much more kind of supermarket Esque, so you can buy, you know, the best ghee from us. You can buy the best 
dark chocolate from us you know whatever like whatever stuff that we use at Cara to cook with um you can you can buy it directly from us olive oil wine all those kind of things you can buy them from our pantry um so i guess that's been the realignment and the exciting thing which is happening is we're now um sending those products we've had a demand from all over india so it you know it's it is true out of a out of the wreckage grows a new flower like we are we are sending now um, food to Ahmedabad we've got a partner in Calcutta we've got people ordering stuff in Goa we have big orders coming from Bombay Bombay so like and we you know we were always so Delhi focused and now we're realigning our team and you know rechecking how we're going to do it and people are having to change roles. You know, we don't want to let them go when they used to be maybe a manager. So they're having to learn how to do telephone sales. You know, there's a lot of, there's a bit of give and take mm. happening internally. But I wouldn't, you know, I would say we are, we're slowly finding our feet again. And um, and that is something to be excited about. <laughs> oh, definitely, for sure. I mean, uh, you now have, uh, if you look, from the other perspective you have bigger audience bigger yeah. customers like larger customer base to serve than india yeah and what is what has been your approach in terms of you mentioned in terms of you're now delivering to Ahmedabad? you have these partnerships so what has been the approach to strike such partnerships yeah, the partnerships outside of delhi yeah so um it's kind we kind of think that the partnerships are key for us going into new cities. Um, and a lot of the partnerships. So when we so two, three years ago, when we were doing a lot or last year, even year before last, we were doing a lot of high end catering in these cities. So Amnabad is a classic example where um, a couple of families repeatedly used to call us to Amnabad and we do, you know, catering for them. And as a result, we had a good relationship with them. And they have our perfect clientele, the people who like our food, understand our food. You know, they they know what a pesto is and they're really interested to learn all the different ways that we use it. And so we've paired up. We've actually, one thing that we just, we just did, we just did a marketing um, exercise last week in Ahmedabad, where we paired up with the ladies who we did the caterings for. And we sent hampers to all their friends. And... From that, we started getting orders and, you know, the whole social media, um, Instagram bubble in Amnabad has now started for us. And it's just making sure that we can engage with that enough that it wasn't, it's not, that we can keep it bubbling, that it wasn't just a one-off bubble, that we can like engage with all those individuals. I think that's the key for us. Once we've met and won one individual's trust, it's making sure that we keep that person's trust enough that they want to recommend us. And I think that any entrepreneur's goal really is can it's that individual person that's key. And that's, that's kind of our philosophy in each. Um, I mean, we have slightly more commercial tie ups in Calcutta with people mm-hmm. and um, you know, people who are buying it off us and selling it, um, which is something that we are looking at much more in Chandigarh and looking at shops and things. Um, but we much prefer to go straight to the straight to the customer and form that individual relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's always easier, you know, if they, they believe in your product and service, so they can always 
they become your reference point and then from there on you can build on yeah uh, exactly a big, bigger network yes for yeah. sure yeah yeah very interesting i think so so your approach now after during pandemic or after the pandemic is over you will be definitely focusing as i can see on delivery for sure but uh, uh, you will also plan to operate your outlets reopening your outlets your cafes yeah most of them are already reopened now so we've got the yeah ogans open the high commission the council as british council is open um you can if you want you can book a um chef's table with us in our kitchen so we're now totally operational we're doing catering. wonderful yeah and so and when do you expect the pre covid level volumes to kick in anytime soon or well i guess it's going to go it's going to i mean your guess is as good as mine presumably it will run parallel with the vaccine mm-hmm. people get more vaccine there'll be more um people will feel more relaxed to go outside um i um i mean it's tricky because the truth of it is the full i think by the summer will be somewhere slightly more concrete the summer is a bad time for hospitality in delhi um having said that um we've already seen we're seeing in our restaurant in maltramag um every month a growth on sales a growth on sales and if we continue in that vein um then we'll be we'll be back to fully operational by march um so um fingers crossed <laughs> as you said right with vaccine the situation will it depends on how quick or how soon are people are getting vaccinated and the footfall sort of comes back to the pre covid level uh so what has been you know after seeing uh, after running business for so long and seeing the pandemic too what has been your learning in terms of you know if you were to start from scratch start a business now so keeping all your learnings intact and everything what would you do sort of differently i mean i think the world is moving into a more tech oriented sphere and if you're not running with that you're going to fall behind and i think we now have to be everything and that's why i mentioned that we might we are looking we have actually spoken to a few tech investors um for the partnership for that partnership um so i think the biggest i think if i was to start again mm-hmm. i would only focus on one thing i would focus on one product um mm-hmm. and i would focus on its distribution and about every aspect of that one product because at the moment obviously you can we've got so many different things um and i would and i think that to be really to be really f- to 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 work out the distribution and to know exactly whether you want to whether it wants to be pan india or if you want to go beyond india because that dictates every every element of our products so hmm. not i mean what i'm trying to say is what we're doing now the distribution of our pantry products is what i would have focused on at the beginning so we've already shifted our business to the focus which we're doing now and it's for exactly the reason you said earlier it's the fact that the market is greater there's much more you know option for growth um and 
there's much more control over the quality of the produce because it's coming from one centralized kitchen and then you have you can connect and understand every single customer so you can really you can really have confidence in what you're producing and create a create a great thing i think the you know with restaurants and opening the field much wider um all you're really doing is um there's much much more room for error whereas if you're just focusing on your internal products and and communicating directly with your customers um i think if i was to start all over again that's what i would do manufacturing manufacturing the best food <laughs> And and you mentioned in terms of looking for tech investors. So how do you plan to incorporate? In which aspect of a business you want to incorporate technology? So just all our online sales. Um, at the moment we have a, we're using different platforms for our online sales, and um, I think there are lots of different ways that we could use tech f- for the actual sale and making that transaction a lot easier. Um, for the distribution, for the software, the back end back end software aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. For the, not yeah. not like in terms of bringing robots to the kitchen no i mean no i mean you laugh but it's not you know we're not miles from that <laughs> we're really not like um mm-hmm. yeah i mean i mean it's happening that is happening and especially with a standardized product that is happening i mean like i believe that we cook with our heart and you know we need to taste stuff and the the thing which keeps the robots away is the fluctuation of quality of the produce because if your mm. tomatoes are taste one way one day and one day the next day you need someone that's not a robot to adjust <laughs> so for now i think we're safe from robots <laughs> that's good to know so uh, so basically want to vertically integrate you know the entire operation and focus on a particular product or service and then sort of scale it up uh, uh pan exactly. india yeah exactly. yeah makes sense makes sense uh wonderful alice uh, it was a pleasure to have you and understand you know uh, how things have been and how you're planning to expand in india yeah thank you so much it was great to meet you thank you everyone for tuning in i hope you enjoyed this podcast uh, we will be back with more interesting episodes soon stay tuned